Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. I didn't know you pushed record, so I was like, (laughs) here we go. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're so happy that you're here. On we go to the Old Testament. This is a, we kind of, is a scripture podcast show or whatever. It's your first week. We move through this year, the Old Testament, um, section by section, following the Come Follow Me I love that you just made us a show, because you know what? That's what Luca and Kingston always want to watch. Will you turn on a show, Hannah? Did I call us a show? Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> how fun. Now we're a show. Netflix series. This is season four <laughs> of the Netflix series. Who knows how many seasons we'll have? Um, okay. What are we doing? Oh, first, next week starts. If you didn't know, if you didn't hear last week or the week before, you can go and get more details in last week's video or in the newsletter. But starting next week, we're going to introduce our first heroes for the Summer of Heroes. We are highlighting 44 heroes through the summer. So you can download that for free. It's, um, it has all, everything you need to cut out. Yeah. Get on here. Look at all those people we are about to meet. You guys cannot wait. Yeah. Let's all lift it down. All the people you Should can we? meet in heaven. We can't wait. And you know what we love? I think we said this. I can't remember when, but... Um, Paul does this. Paul goes through the whole Old Testament and he just says like, oh, look at all these people who lived by faith. I want to live like that. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because we're going to have that big wall of heroes and wall of faith in our houses at the end of the summer to be cool along the way. So yeah. all so the fun. details are in last video How and about the newsletter. Timeline? timeline today, we're going to put a new piece on. I think we might have two new pieces. Oh, that? Do we or not? Yeah, we do. We have two pieces. Oh, wow. This is a two-piece timeline day. No wonder. Okay. I wondered what was happening. Where are we? Okay, 22. So Moses just died, everyone. That was so sad. Yeah. Okay. Mo- this one goes right here. The scripture, be strong and of a good courage that we're going to get that he says to Joshua in just a second. And then Rahab's goes right here. Doesn't it? Yep. She just goes there early. What about this one? Oh, I meant there. Okay. We might have to start off for a I can't remember what's happening. <laughs> Everyone, just oh, yeah. be patient with David Butler while he gets this figured out. Ruth. Oh, that's going to be Ruth. No wonder. It's another lady. And they look the same with their black silhouette. Okay. It's going to be Rahab. fine. Okay, there it goes, there you guys. Goes. Okay, so, tw- oh yeah, 22 and 22. If yeah, you read the I, numbers, I it's like numbers. super helpful. I just let um, you take it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... This is Joshua, and then Rahab's another one of the grandmothers of Jesus that we're going to meet in in just a second. This little water that you're going to see right here is the Jordan River. So just this so you know. This little water right here was the Red Sea. You get to have two crossing over the water moments, which you might not have realized before, but both of them are so awesome. Yeah. You see the second one today. Okay, that's where those go. Spot number 22. And we're going to start with that first one, actually. And keep that close because we want it back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll get it in a second. With that first one, because Joshua, obviously, the book of Joshua is named after the prophet Joshua. And if you were with us last week, we talked about how Moses has led the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. And they get to the edge of that place. And remember, early on in that journey, 
they st- the people started to rebel and the Lord said, if you don't want to be in the promised land, fine. Then it's your children who are going to actually inherit it. So during those 40 years, all the people, except for two, who had crossed through the Red Sea are now dead. That were gone. adults. That were yeah, adults. Because right. the children are still alive. Yeah. So now you have this whole new generation of people who are there and all the kids born along the trip, you know. So it's kind of this new generation's grown up and now they're about to cross over into the promised land. We've got there. We've done it. And Moses, remember, gets to the very edge and the Lord says, you will not go in and Emily will cry about it. And then <laughs> they, then he says, it's actually Joshua who's going to take the people in. And you read that thing last week from the devotional book about that it might seem sometimes like, wait, <laughs> that's, it's, Moses Did was in charge work. of all the complaining people and everything. But it's so sweet how he meekly Number one, hands over the baton to Joshua. And he says, God's called you to do this, this part, part, which is the fun part for heaven's sake. Yeah. It's almost like he should have been like, why did I get the snakes? Yes. And you get this like awesome thing. And then Joshua said, you got the Red Sea, man. <laughs> right? But um, he's handing it over to him. But not only is he kind of meekly handing it over to him, Moses takes this role of encourager for Joshua that is so awesome. And it's actually our word of the week too. We'll say it right at the beginning. Um, to encourage. Um, listen to some I of these words, words so much. from Hebrew that it could be translated. To fasten upon, to be strong, to strengthen, to cure, to help, to repair, to fortify, to confirm, to be constant, to continue, to be of good courage, be established, fasten, and fortify help. Woo! Right? And I, we get... I don't even want to think about this right now just for one second. Don't you want to think who is your encourager? Yeah. Like who is that for you? But also who do you need to be that for someone else? Right, right. Because imagine what this must have been like. And I just think it's really neat that like, I want to be an encourager of people always. Uh, my friend Heather was saying, sent me this thing the other day of a kid um, who was like in the backseat of a car. I can't remember where she heard the story. And, like, <laughs> and was kind of had, and like, what's in your pocket? And they're like, oh, glitter. And they're like, why did you have glitter in your pocket? She's like, just in case I need to celebrate anybody. But oh, they just have it ready. Who to wants just to carry, carry glitter, glitter in their glitter. pocket now? <laughs> just in case there's Her anyone. Her mom's so mad when she does the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm well, going to start doing that. I know. Isn't that so awesome? Who should sell little bottles of glitter? Yeah, they're just going to carry around. I feel better about a bottle of glitter in your pocket. Okay. Or bubbles. No, glitter. Those are. I know, but glitter's funner. <laughs> yeah. So I just celebration marks you for the whole. Yeah, that's true. I love that thought of like, I want to be an encourager. I want to be a clapper for people. I want to like, there's enough people who are um, criticizing the dumbest things about people. Mm. Somehow along the way, we have to like realize that people are not on Yelp. So like, they don't need your reviews and your star (laughs) ratings, you know, only restaurants are okay. People are not on Yelp. And so there's just so much of that happening that I love right here where Moses seriously could have been like, well, this is how I'd do it if I were you. And you're, I'm, you know, he's so yeah. much older, so has so yeah. much more experience, was clearly the better choice. But instead, we have this list on here and you can see and it on the board. And before you say it too, can I just say one more thing you made me think of? Yeah. Remember one time when I sat in that bishop's council and we were talking and we were going through people who were really going through some hard things in our ward. And as we got done talking about every name, he would ask this question. Is anybody cheering for them? 
Oh, that's Do such a great that? question. And if we couldn't immediately say, yes, this person is cheering for them or encouraging them, he would assign someone to just cheer for them every single day. And it, and, and it feels like, like uh, insufficient for the problem. And yet, I think everybody listening has been in a situation where they're just like, the it's it's unproportional that the um, encouraging and cheering on has a way bigger effect than like the effort that it takes. Mm. You know, that like yes. we just feel like, oh, it wouldn't really matter because what are you doing? You're not solving my problem. And yet there's something really valuable about it. And everybody can be one. I love in here, particularly Moses, because he has this experience where he's like, I've been there and I've mm. done that and, and you can do it. Like I was a, I was just a shepherd, you know, and, and look at what God did with me. You can, you can do this. I, I, when I was called as a bishop, um, it was actually my friend who was the stake president and which I thought he would have known better. You know, that's how we kind of knew. Yes. He's just like, he was like, I know I tried not to call you, but God kept telling me to. <laughs> and then he was like, what do you think? And I was like, I feel like you just called a kid. That's what I feel like. like <laughs> so that, did everyone else in your ward. <laughs> and everyone still, right? But just the words of encouragement that he gave me then and the words of encouragement of, of other friends and that cheering made me think of one of my friends who said to me, um, there's a lot of problems that you won't be able to solve for people and it's not your job to. But he's like, but you can breathe hope into their stories. You know, you can cheer them yes. on. And we have this list of scriptures here where starting way back in Exodus 17, this encouragement has been going on since the, like the right when they crossed through the Red Sea, right? And it has just been all of these verses here. We read some last week to Joshua. Um, we'll just look at these ones that are in Joshua 1, unless you have favorites that you're like, oh, yeah, you no, can't Yeah, no, I just miss. love that first one we saw, remember, um, clear back at the begin beginning of Deuteronomy, when he, so he says to him, clear back then, well, and in Exodus, I think is where yeah. he very first starts and says, you have got to start encouraging Joshua. He tells him long before Joshua 1, 9 ever even comes. And that's just really sweet, you know, that God sees Joshua. I think he knows he's going to doubt his abilities. He knows that about him. And he's just like, not just one time. Yes. You, you have got to keep encouraging him because he's going to like retract back from this, you know? And you love that not only does Moses encourage him with the same words the Lord uses, but in this beginning of his leadership role, the Lord three times is going to um, encourage him. Yeah. Verse five. I love that he says this. Um, yeah. As I was with Moses, Joshua 1, 5, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee or forsake thee. Like you can take that one to the bank. I am, I will be here with you. Remember how in those days you lacked nothing that is still going to happen again. So be strong and of a good courage. Um, and, and not because of your abilities, but because I won't fail you. Someone's like, how come, how come you can be so brave? And you're like, because God has my back. Mm. That is how I can, it has nothing to do with my own abilities or bravery. Yeah. Um, so, and we just think it's cool to just hear in the journal, what did he hear? Like, what kind of words do you think stuck out to him as he was encouraged in all these places as you read them? And what do you think it did for his heart? And, and maybe, I love, oh, sit, I was just going to say, maybe think, I don't know what it did for his heart. And he's like, well, what about when somebody did it for you? What mm. did it do for yours? Yes. And I love that thought 
when he says, you'll see it three times just right here where he wants to say um, in verse six, be strong and of good courage. And in verse seven, only be thou strong and very courageous, he tells him. And then in nine, he's going to say again, be strong and of a good courage. Don't be afraid or dismayed because I'll be with you wherever you go. And the very last thing he says to him before everything gets set into motion in 18 is only be strong and have a good courage. And I'll never forget when I tell the story a lot about when Josh got diabetes and from my point of view and how hard that was for me as a mom. But imagine being that three-year-old and what? Josh, the three, oh, as three a three-year-old, year who was... <laughs> I was like, what word is that? Imagine being three. Three-year-old. And okay. your whole life being turned upside down. And what you can comprehend at three was so hard. And so many nights when he would just sit in his bed and just sob, it was not the life he wanted either. As much as it wasn't the life I wanted, it wasn't the life he wanted. And I can remember finding the scripture during this time and telling him... This is what the Lord would tell you if he was here right now. And we open it up and guess whose name it was. Oh, that's so perfect. He thought it was his book because it, it is. was Joshua. He, has and, anyone told him? Um, that it's not. Yeah, I hope he still <laughs> believes it. And, um, the, and this became the theme of his life when he was three years old and four mm. years old and five years that's old. So he cute. would say to me, mom, tell me my scripture. Mm. And I would say to him, be strong and of good courage. Over and over again, every time I poked his finger, every time I gave him a shot, right? The Lord is with us in this. And wherever you are, even just those words might be the exact encouragement someone needs. Just be strong and have courage. The Lord is going to be in this with you. Is this where Cinderella got that? Maybe. You know, as you were saying it, I was like, wait, in my mind, I'm like, what was the line? Be kind oh. and of a good Kurt. But this... Is and that what it and is? have courage. Oh, have courage. That's so cute. They took it. They, they took did. it they from this. It. You guys could so just watch cute. that movie instead of reading. Just kidding. Chapter one. Yeah. Um, so this is awesome. And and this will come up again, I think, because I thought it about a later chapter, but I just like that it says only be strong and have a good courage. As if there is another option, because there is. You could back down. You could be afraid. That yeah. is an option in this one. And I'm telling you, choose courage mm, and so choose good. strength here. And, and so he does, then you get into chapter two. Yeah. And this is where Joshua's story begins. Yeah. Like where he takes the, the reins. Yeah, yeah. This, this going into the promised land, this 11 day journey, it is like ramps up. Now we're in like a, this storyline that is just one thing after the other, after the other of, did he even sleep for 11 days? We don't even know what yeah. happened there. And we are going to meet another grandmother in chapter two. So if you are doing this with us, um, this is Rahab. And let's just remind you, the grandmothers of Jesus are listed in Matthew 1. It's going to be the genealogy of Jesus. Um, someone asked us this question of um, it, who's genealogy it is and where does it come from because Joseph wasn't his real life biological dad and this is what I just want to say to people Matthew says this is the genealogy of Jesus and there are four women in there plus Mary and um, I'm just gonna figure Matthew knew what he was doing I don't yeah. know if you want to add anything to that but yeah, I trust yeah. Matthew so I'm just gonna go with him and within that genealogy in Matthew 1 because he's listing particular people He's not 
he's been really smart and strategic and he, yep. that wasn't the full genealogy. Yes. He's listing very, very particular people. And we're just so intrigued. Why did you mention those four, four women, women plus Mary? Usually a genealogy is men, right? That's what usually happens. So Rahab is mentioned in that genealogy. And what we love doing and what we'll do as we go through this is we want you to see who these women who were mentioned were. So remember Tamar, we already learned about her story, where she fit in the plan. Today, we're going to meet Rahab. This is what you need to know about Rahab. First of all, she was a harlot, it tells us. Um, so we just plain as day, we find out what her business is, what her lifestyle is, is to be a harlot. She's also an innkeeper. And then this is so interesting. She's a non-Israelite. And remember last week when we talked about being chosen and how important it is to remember that you can be adopted into the family. And so this grandmother, if you were going to be like, oh, well, what was that grandma like? Well, Jesus would have been like, oh, that's my grandma who was a harlot and an innkeeper. And she actually wasn't even in the faith community. That's that grandma. Yeah. And then we learn her story, which is remarkable. It's such a remarkable story. So right before they're going to go in, Joshua sends in two spies to just like bring back what does it look like when we go in there. It's, they're not going in to figure out if they should go or not. They're figuring out how to go. That's what their job is. And so he says, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went in chapter two, verse one, and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and they stayed there. And it was told the king of Jericho saying, two men came in to search out our country. And the king sent to Rahab and said, bring out the two men. And Rahab is going to hide these men. It tells us in verse four. And, and she, when they come to ask her about it, she was like, they came to me, but I don't know where they are now. And about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, she tells them the men went out and I don't know where they went. So you should go and pursue after them because they've got to be out there somewhere. And then in verse six, it tells us, but she had brought them up to the roof of the house and she had hidden them with these stalks of flax up on the top. And um, she comes in verse nine and she said unto the men, This is like a good movie. I know it is. I the told you, it's like all of a sudden we got into this They're hiding movie. under the, like the... And she comes up to the men and she says to them, I know the Lord gave you this land. Like I already know this is going to be true, which makes you have to wonder, how did she know? Had... Had she received a prompting, had she seen a vision, had something happened, like when you get to verse nine, you're like, oh, I want to think about how did you know? And then she says this, there's terror upon us, on, on all of us. Like we're fainting because of you, because we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. Like we know your story. I love that she's like, you, who you are actually precedes you into this place. And as soon as we heard these things our heart did melt and neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you for the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. And so she says to them, I showed you kindness by bringing you in here. Will you show me and my father's house kindness and, and give me a promise. She says that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all that we have and deliver us from death. And then this number, this verse 14, this promise in here, I love so much for so many reasons, but I love when they say to her, our life for yours. Hmm. 
Don't you love that line? Mm. Uh, you saved our life. We will now save your life in this moment. And it shall be when the Lord gives us this land that we will deal kindly with you and your family. And so she lets them down by a cord through the window because her house is right against that outer wall. Like her house is built right against it. And she lets them down and um, says, go to the mountain because what if they, what if those men find you? So go to the mountain and get away. And, and they give her this scarlet thread and they say, behold, when we come into the land, you should bind this scarlet thread in the window. And when we see it, we'll be like, oh, everybody, if anyone says, sees a red line in the window, that is Rahab's house. That's the woman we are trying to save when we come in to destroy this. And if anyone goes out your front door, they're going to be destroyed. But if you stay and wait by this window, by this cord, you will be saved. And then, um, here, well, let me pause this part because let's just think about a couple things before we get too much farther. I love this story and we've heard it a million times and I love that it is Rahab's story as you think through it. But I also wonder how many other people find themselves in this story. I wonder how many women there are out there who had two men come knock on your door. And maybe they were two sisters who knocked on your door and came in and said, let us tell you about our God, who is a God of miracles. And as Rahab, or as you had that discussion with them, all of a sudden you were like, wait, I want my family to know about this. I want my kids to know about this. Mm. I want mm. everyone to know about this. And, and I want to experience what it would be like to be in the family of the God who parts sees. Mm. I want to be in that family. And don't you love that there are people who are listening who are like, that's my story. Yeah. I was Rahab and two men came into my house or two sis two elders or two sisters came into my house and they told me about their God and they brought me into this family. And I love what you learn about missionary work in here. But here's the other part that I love is that one line that says, our life for yours. And it makes me think of an older brother who says the same thing to us, mm. my life for yours. And this scarlet thread, like, do you think it's by chance the thread is scarlet? Red. Yeah, yeah. No. is red. Yeah. I just love this thought of put this in the window. What is your remembrance? I will save you. I will save your household. I will... Um, take care of this whole entire family and, and put this scarlet line in the window. And it's like, what, uh, what is our scarlet thread? You know, what is it in our life? Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a second Passover is what's yes. happening here. Yes. The house that's marked by red, yes. you know, will be passed over. And sometimes for me, that scarlet thread is the sacrament mm. every week. It's that time when I remember my life for yours. Mm. I just remember that mm. every week. But you may have other reminders um, in your home. I taught this lesson once and a woman sent me this um, thing. Um, she wrote a scarlet line for one who helps us all hold a little tighter to ours. How oh, cute was so that? Sweet. And I this really hangs in my kitchen window, everybody. It is my scarlet thread reminder of the saving that comes through the run through the one who gave his life for ours. But this is my favorite part of Rahab's story is in verse 21, because 
they're going to leave now, right? And they're like, when, when it all starts happening, then put the scarlet thread in your window and then we'll know and we'll save you. And do you know when she puts the scarlet thread in her window? It's in verse 21. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet line in the window. Why does that touch me so much that she was like, I mean, they hadn't even left. They weren't even outside the walls. The war was not going to come in five minutes. Yeah. But do you love that she was like, I'm, I'm making my decision now. I'm putting this in the window. I am going to be ready um, when they return. I am going to be ready. And I, I love that I am ready now. I am ready for the delivery and the saving and the healing and the rescuing. And I'm ready now mm. for that to happen in my life. I'm not going to hold on to being a harlot for one more night, or I'm not going to whatever, you know, and then, but I'll just be watching and I'll get ready when I see that battle begin to rage. I love that. She's like, I'm ready for the change now. Yeah. And just, I, I love that idea of being marked, you yes. know, like uh, right away. The second she encountered the God of Israel, she was marked by him you know, and her whole household was. And I love this idea we have in the box that she says, we've heard. I think that is so awesome that these two people show up at her house and she just says, oh, I know who you are. I've heard about you. And more particularly, I've heard about your God. I've heard what he can do. I heard how he rescued you and saved you. We know that story Mm -hmm. about him. And that is the reputation that they... Carry. That they carried, that they brought in. It's like, that's who... like. She didn't know anything else about them except that. And that, and that's so cool to me that that's how that they are going to be identified. And it makes me just think like, what's my reputation? And mm-hmm. is it that? Because I really want it to be. I really want to have the reputation of like, oh, um, that's David. Um, that's the kid that God saved. You know, that's the one that he did something amazing with. Yeah. I, I remember going down to Houston. Um, I'd been teaching seminary for several years and I went down and I ran into my old seminary teacher um, from when I was a freshman. And I saw her and she was like, hey, give me an update on your life. And, and I was like, well, I'm actually teaching seminary. And she died in the law. Lo- <laughs> in the lobby of the church and I had to get those shocking things from the wall, (laughs) you know, and bring bring her back. But she seriously was so, so surprised by it. And I actually took it as a compliment, you know, because I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I now have a new reputation. I have a new reputation Mm. as, as the, as the kid that God rescued and, and it's going to happen for Rahab. She used to be Rahab the harlot. And then now she will be Rahab, the one who was set free. And, and Jesus will give her that new reputation, which is so sweet. Now, there's something that we kind of want to address here because when he says we're going to come in and destroy this city, it seems a little bit uncharacteristic for God <laughs> to do something like that. And sections like this in scripture are, are super troubling to people because they're like, oh, wait, I don't like that God is giving this command to go and destroy. And I don't want that in the Bible because it's going to encourage other people you know, to do things like this and whatever. And it doesn't match up with, you know, what I see in other, you know, places of scripture. So just a couple things that could be helpful when you get into a section like this. Number one, keep in mind, we are in a very, very ancient text from a very, very different time. So we have to just start with that. 
Um, number two, there's a couple spots that we didn't read as part of our reading that you may have, have read where God describes what's happening in Jericho. It's a city that has a reputation for child sacrifice. So it's a, um, and you'll see we put this verse in 1 Nephi 17 where Nephi is retelling the story and he's just like, they were a people fully ripened and corrupt. Like that was an awful place to be and, and to live and in that so city. So instead of sending in a flood... Right, he's going to send in, yeah, an um, army, which an army. yeah, which yeah. seems like oh. Then you'll read phrases like this, and I just want you to. I don't know exactly what happened, but you will read phrases like destroy this place entirely, leave no inhabitants. Like get, and you're kind of like whoa. But then you'll find other spots, like a chapter later, where it's like don't intermarry with the Canaanites, and you're like wait. How can I marry with them if they're all gone? And so it is using hyperbole, an exaggeration type language in here um, for what is actually happening in the story. We don't know exactly what's happening, but it's like there seems to be like it's it's not as gruesome, you know, as it seems. And I think the principle he's trying to teach, I actually learned it one year when I was working out in my backyard with raspberries, my raspberry garden. Does anyone have a raspberry garden? Because you're going to know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Because ours came right up to where our lawn was. And the shoots of grass would come over into the raspberries. And you can't pull out raspberries. Like, those have to stay in there. And But trying to get weeds out of raspberries is so hard. And the problem is, if you leave even one or two it will yeah. take over the whole raspberry garden, which you can't till it up. You can't because you can't take the raspberries out. Right. So it really does require going in and pulling out anything that would ruin the garden. And I think that's the principle that he's trying to teach is you, you can't even leave a little bit because that one little bit, it could ruin everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then maybe one other thought. So I like that idea of thinking like when he says destroy, he doesn't necessarily mean the people, but rather like what they stand for, what they're doing, like Mm -hmm. get rid of that entirely and utterly get rid of it. Um, and it's always helpful for those of us who are familiar with the new Testament and, and, and particularly that Mm -hmm. scene that Paul says is the very image of the heart and character of God on Calvary. That is what God is like in its best expression. So if you read something that doesn't match up with what you see in that on on Good Friday and Easter, then there's something that you're not quite understanding because that's all that is the best picture of what he's like. And sometimes the Old Testament is like reading through a glass darkly, mm-hmm. you know, like a fuzzy glass. Yeah. Like I'm reading a story. But you have over here a very clear picture of what he's like and always hold on to that as you read through that lens into these stories. Um, So now we're going to get to chapter three, which is one of our favorite chapters. And as we get in here um, and start talking about this, um, this is one of my favorite things to teach because lots of times when we talk about miracles, um, we want to go to the end the answer, the promise. This is how it all worked out. The fulfillment, yeah. 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 We rarely get in the middle, right, of what is happening in the middle. And and then I'm always like, well, how did that miracle come to fruition? Like, why did all of a sudden God was like, and here you go, you know? In fast and testimony meeting, people want to stand up and they tell you the end. And I want to say, somebody tell me the middle. That's what I want someone to give me is 
What were you doing before the end? What should I be doing if my miracle didn't come yet? What should I do in the middle? I just heard this story yesterday of a friend who was talking to a a boxer friend of his. And uh, he went to one of his matches. I what do you call it? Or a meet, maybe? I don't know. A match? (laughs) Yeah. A fight. And he goes to the fight. And it was really quick. And it took like 40 seconds. And so he said to him, he was like, oh my gosh, that was so easy. You beat him in 40 seconds. And he was just like, don't ever say that to me again. He was like, that took me 14 years. Like what you saw in there was the result of a whole lot of years before. Yeah, that's so good. Um, So... I, we're, we're going to go through this process of preparing for a miracle, which I love even more because do you remember when President Nelson just barely said in conference in his Sunday morning talk, seek and expect miracles. Mm, mm. I like want to live in that place so bad. I, I want to be someone who is seeking and expecting miracles, which gives me a lot of butterflies. I don't know why, but I'm like, I don't know if I have that much faith. Do you ever think that? Like, I just, I want to, I want to be someone who seeks and expect miracles, but I feel like I have to be like brave to yeah. Or guarded sometimes too, where you're just like, I know, but what if I put all my hope into yes. it and like nothing happens? Yeah. Like, I don't want to, And that's what you, you know? love about Joshua. He is a possibilitarian, everyone, from the very beginning. He like gets his hopes up. That for 11 days, Joshua gets his hopes up. That's what is going to happen. And so in two is going to be this preparing for a miracle. You'll see on the right-hand side of your journal, we've listed out the verses. Chapter three. You that mean? you want here in chapter three. Yeah, oh, what did I say? Two. Oh, two. Okay. We're, like... in, we're going to go into three now. Um, if it's going to be three and four. Sorry, that was a little confusing. Um, is going to be this preparing for a miracle. And let's just watch how Joshua prepares himself and his people to seek and then to expect this miracle in their life. I think it's so important. So the first thing that happens, Joshua rises early in the morning, which probably he couldn't sleep, you know, but like he's got a lot going on right now. And he rises early in the morning. should maybe be number one. There Um, is like a really cool principle there. Yeah, true. We didn't write that down. Yeah, not necessarily early in the morning because my early in the morning is late in the night, you know? Yes, So, but just that whole concept of, you know, uh, like a solitary moment. Yes, that that sacred preparing. Yeah, Because then what happens in verse 2, it says, after three days, all the officers go through the people to tell them this is what's going to happen. And they command the people and they say, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of the Levites bearing it. Like when you see that start moving, I love this line, go after it. Don't you love that? That's yeah. that's the first thing that I wrote down is like, go after the miracle. Um, like be brave, be daring enough to expect something like that could happen in your life. And then in verse four, it tells us the second thing, you need to keep a space between you and it. 2,000 cubits by measure, don't come near to it, but you're just watching it so you will know the way to go. And then I love this part, for you have not passed this way heretofore. And I love that the second thing that we learn is to let God lead, Mm. right? We want to be like, at least I do, this is my problem. I know what I want the end result to be. And so I love to say to God, I think this is how it would work best. Like if we just, if you did this and then this, and then this, I think we would get here. 
which never happens. You think I would have learned by now that my way is not the best way. Remember when I say it, it's like God's ways are not your ways. His yeah. thoughts are higher. Like he sees a, a clearer picture. I'm like, I think this is how we should do it, God. And then he's like, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so the second one is you actually have not passed this way before. So let God be in charge yeah. of how we're going to arrive at this miracle. It made me think of when President Packer was talking to the youth one time in that big, there was a huge fireside, it was in the conference center, I feel like. And he just said, I, you've never been where I am before, like as an 80 year old, but I've been where you are yeah. before, you know, and that's a mortal perspective, yes. but even to have a grander yeah. one with a divine yeah, a perspective, perspective, right? Where yeah. it's just right. like, he's like, you've never done this before. Yes. Let me be in charge right now. And, and to be like, okay, I'm going to let you be in charge. I've been praying for a miracle since conference. And seriously, last night, this is what the spirit said to me, be still. I think the spirit is like, <laughs> Quit trying to be in charge of this miracle. <laughs> like, this is not your job. God's in charge of miracles. So could you just hold still? Which is super hard to do. We're yeah. going to talk about that in a minute. Um, so because you haven't passed this way before, just would you let God lead is number two. Then number three, he says to them in verse five, and Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. Now go to the footnote of sanctify when you get here in your scriptures and you're going to read at the bottom. This is my favorite definition of sanctification. I wish we had it everywhere in all of our Bible study helps is this. Make yourselves clean, holy by ritual washings and proper behavior. I love this idea that there are going to be rituals or rhythms that sanctify us. Yeah. It's going to be a pattern of living. We live in patterns. Read your scriptures every day. Pray however many times a day. Go to the temple regularly, right? We live in rituals or behaviors that will make us holy. That's sanctification. And I love that he's like to the people, you know what to do, right? You, you know how to make yourself holy. And it's going to be these washings and it's going to be these behaviors. You need to do that today. Because do you want to say something? Well, yeah, just making me think where you're going. The next one in that yeah. verse, the connection between the two of them is, remember at the Red Sea, the Lord said what he said to you this morning <laughs> to everybody is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, right? But if you're busying about, you won't be able to see what he's about mm. to do. And almost like a similar promise, it was making me think of when Enoch went to the Lord and before his vision God put earth on his eyes and then washed off the earth. And he was like, in order for you to, you, the sanctification is not so much what's going to bring the miracle, but it's going to help you experience and mm. see the miracle. That's so good. And it's inviting the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. into the process. Yeah. And because the and Spirit. And by virtue, the whole Godhead. Yes. Right? Yeah. And is going to lead us in the right direction of where the miracle is going to be. So then. The fourth thing, this is my favorite one. I love this one is, too. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. And I love this thought of like expecting wonders. Like that's who our God is. So we should expect wonders. Huh. And it's like the glitter we talked I'm... about earlier. <laughs> it's 
just in case you see and wonder you might need extra glitter, one in each pocket. And it really makes me want to start something new with my kids. Like I want to like, when I put them to bed, I think I want that to be my very last line. I say to him, tomorrow, God will do wonders with you. That like is every so good. single night. Don't you think that yes. would be so awesome? I think it is so good. And then I love this part in um, 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel. And something fun if you are teaching youth when you get to this part is look up in the dictionary the word magnify. And I love that it talks about enlarging right? That's what a magnifying glass does or increasing. And I think about capacity in that moment. I love that. It's like the Lord is like, I, I am going to transform you, enlarge you, increase your capacity for what tomorrow requires. Mm. That's what I'm about to do for you. And then the next one is going to come, the one we keep talking about, because this is my lesson for today. In verse eight, thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant saying, when you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. And um, a lot of people think that this was the time of year where Jordan would have been overflowing its banks. That it's at the highest possible it could have been. And that thought of right when you get to that obstacle or the thing that feels the hardest, I love that counsel of stand still. I've done a lot of research over the years at how many times silence precedes a miracle. Mm. Like it really is interesting to go into scripture and see, we, we saw it in Moses with the Red Sea. We see it here with Joshua. Jehoshaphat, remember mm-hmm. we see it in Second Chronicles. You start going through how many times just before the miracle happens, the Lord says, Stillness. okay, stand yeah. still. There, silence precedes the miracle. And it really is like studying how to be quiet. Mm. I feel like it's like that learning how to settle right before that happens. And then I love the promise. So here's where we are so far. Go after it. Um, Let God lead is two. Three is sanctify. Four is expect wonders. Five is to let the Lord magnify you, increase your capacity, prepare you for what is coming. Six is to stand still. Then I love this part in verse 10 when the Lord just reminds Joshua, he will, I will without fail, he tells him, deliver you from these people. Like without fail, I will do this. And I love that just like strengthen your faith moment. Just like lean into the fact that God doesn't fail. So hold on to that truth as we're getting to this part. And, and, then, and yeah. that he says, the, the living God is among you and without fail will do this. I love that he calls himself that. Yes. You know? And, that, and he like, reminds him, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through the river. I'm not you. just going to watch right. you. Right. I will go through the river right. with you, which I'm alive is so awesome. in your story. And like I'm I, not going to fail right. here. You love that part. And then... Um, I've opened water before. That's what he wants yes, to say. Yes. And... Then in 13, he tells him this, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, then will the waters be brought up into a heap. And I love this part so much. And I think it is so interesting because um, 
Grace had some friends over the other day and we were talking about something that they were wanting to do that kind of felt big and overwhelming and uh, like, were they capable of doing something that big? And as we were talking about all the details of this idea that they had and, and them wanting to like lean into this idea, one of the boys took a napkin, we were eating dinner together, and he wrote on the napkin, send it. That's what he wrote in just a pen. And he's like, you guys, we're just going to be brave and do it. And, walk and in. Yeah. I folded up that napkin and put it on my refrigerator with masking tape because I was like, I love the courage in that. I love mm -hmm. that thought of like, send it, right? Of this step into the water. That's what, like there comes a moment when you're just like, uh, if we're going to do this, we have to do it. And the courage and the anticipation and the like really putting yourself out there. And it's been so fun for Grace and Talon and TJ because you've seen miracles come from that send it on the napkin weekly they experience miracles mm -hmm. because they chose to do it. And I think that's the next step is send it, right? Step in. And I love when he's like, as soon as, do you see those three words in verse 13? As soon as you do that, that, that is when the miracle will begin. And I just, I love that thought of that, send it. And then the last one is, that as they go, the waters rise up. And again, we're going to see what we saw in the Red Sea. And I think we talked about this, but God didn't just raise up the waters into a heap, but he also dries the ground, mm. right? It's not just one miracle. That's two significant miracles. Yeah. Like how did he dry the ground? You know, <sighs> um, that's what you're like. There, there's not just ever one, probably. Mm -hmm. Just open your eyes because what is he doing? And not only is the water going to be up in a heap, but they stood firm on dry ground. So they got all the, little, the details that he yes. like, figured out as yes. part of it. Yeah. You know? So um, we love that thought of this preparing for a miracle and watching everything Joshua did for that to happen. And then there's this one clue that happens in Joshua 3:12 where he says before this happens he tells him take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel out of every single tribe one man and don't you wonder if at that moment he's like you guys come over here could just come right here you stay right here I'll tell you when I need you and they're all watching this happen and their families are going <laughs> over and they're all the and people are carrying everything and these 12 guys are like just wait here just yeah. wait here and then you get to chapter four and you're, I just, I love what happens in chapter four. It's so good. So the river opens up and they all walk through and then those 12 people get their job. Then they get their assignment. And he says in verse three of chapter four, take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of that spot where the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones and carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you will lodge this night. And Joshua called the 12 men that he prepared out of the children of Israel out of every tribe, a man, one from each of the tribes. And he says, okay, when you pass over into the stop, I want you to grab a stone and put it on your shoulder. And I want you to carry it out. 12 representing 
Each and tribe. Each tribe. And you happened. love that part about, like, it wasn't a rock. They weren't like, just just get a rock when you get out there. You have to, like, you have heave, to, like it. heave it. Yeah. Right? It, it's going to be so <laughs> big, these 12 stones. And don't you wonder if they were like, can we just get a rock from right here? No way. They're boys. That They tried to get a bigger one than the person next to them <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> until poor Benjamin and is right carrying a boulder. in the middle of the river. Yeah. Like, in it's the still, midst. Like, it's still, like, divided. Yeah. So, like, the water's up. And he's like, okay, stop. In this spot where the miracle happened, grab one of these stones. And they grab them and they take them over to the other side of the river. And this is why. We saw this last week in Deuteronomy. It's the same principle. In verse 6, he says that this may be a sign among you. That when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what mean ye by these stones? When you bring your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids to the banks of this river and they will see all 12 rocks there, they're going to ask, why are these rocks sitting there? And you're going to say, oh, once upon a time, they were underwater in, in deep mud. I know. And don't you want to be like, look out there. Look, these rocks came from the middle. They came from the middle in there. And we walked through on dry ground and brought these out. You will answer them, it says in verse 7, the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the Lord when it passed through. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones will be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. It was a physical reminder of the miracle that they'd experienced and of the goodness of God. It's what's going to help them expect wonders tomorrow Mm. is they're going to look back on their yesterdays. It's what's going to give them the courage to send it, to step into the river is like, oh my gosh, I don't know if we can do this next big thing. And it's like, what? actually, let's all go back to the banks of the river and let's make our decision among the stones, you know? And I love thinking about this. We see this throughout the Old Testament as a practice of theirs back then to fi- find things like a, yeah. like a red thing yeah. in your window. Yeah, they, or... they were very visual, which we love because yeah. we're both yeah. super visual. And I love that the Lord tells him twice. He's like, don't, don't forget to do this. I, I need you to do it. In the same chapter, he says it again. They took those 12 stones in verse 20 um, and that they took out of Jordan. And he says again, when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come saying, what mean these stones? Then shall ye let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, just the same as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when he tried it, when he dried it up before us. And we went over like the same miracle that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. And I love that thought of what he did for us, he will do for you and for your children and for your children's children. Yeah. I love the thought of that. That he's not like a one hit wonder, you know? Yeah. There's like, like I did in the Red Sea, I yeah. can, I, I've done it again and I will do it again yes. and again. It's so good. And it does make me want to do this every time I read the story is go get your 12 stones. Yeah. And either you do it personally and just write your 12 things on it or with the people you study with, your family, like, Go get 12 stones and just write right. on there. A wonder. Yeah, a, a wonder that you've experienced so far this year would be so awesome. And then we get to chapter five. This part is so good, everyone. I love this part. So they get across the River Jordan, but they're not done. Like that's not it right. for them because now they have to go into Jericho. Remember Rahab, she's still waiting. 
everyone. She just, her red scarlet thread is in the window and she's just waiting for when are they going to come. And Joshua gets through that moment and then he doesn't even have time to breathe. He's like, okay, on to the next. Yeah. Yeah, on to Jericho. And there's this really awesome thing that happens. And um, I want you to just think for a minute, does this remind you of any story you might have heard previously? So Joshua goes to the walls and it's he, he's there by himself. And it's almost as if he's looking at like, what is ahead, right? I, we got through this. Now we've got to do this. And he's there just pondering what is going to happen. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, are you for us or are you with our enemy? And he said, no, as the captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Okay, do you have a memory of that happening before? Can you think of another time when the Lord appeared to someone and said, Take off your shoes? because the place where you're standing right now is holy. And who loves that the Lord is like, let me just remind you who I am. Because Joshua probably heard that story over and over and over again. When you asked that question, I thought, I felt like we were on Dora for a second. Oh. You know, when she asks questions to yes. the people who can't. You did. I just hope that everyone answered back. Okay. They're like, it's Moses. <laughs> I know who it is. It's the blackberries. That's what I want to yeah. say. And um, I love this scripture that is found in Jeremiah 31. It says, at the same time, saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel? Not just Moses, right? I'll be the God of Joshua too, and David, and me, and all of you. And they shall be my people, thus saith the Lord. The people found grace in the wilderness, even Israel. And I love this moment of finding that grace in wilderness moments, of the, of the moments when all of a sudden the Lord shows up in the story and he comes as exactly what you need, mm. exactly when you need it. Because when Moses was in his wilderness place, the bush beside him burst into flame. And Moses, the Lord called from the burning bush and Moses said, here am I. And as the bush continued to burn, Moses bent down and pulled the leather sandals off his feet. And then he stood barefoot on holy ground. And the Lord began to talk about the children of Israel and the great mission of Moses in that moment. When Joshua was in his wilderness, he lifted up his eyes and saw a man standing over him with his sword drawn in his hand. Now, do you remember when the Lord came to Moses? How did he come? In a bush that caught fire. And for the rest of Moses's experience with the Lord, when the Lord showed up in the children of Israel's story, he came as a pillar of fire. Mm. Remember, he leads them through the wilderness as a fire by night and smoke in the day. Moses's representation of God is fire. Yeah. And that's how God came to him in the wilderness. And he took off his shoes. Well, Joshua's job is not to wander through the wilderness. That is not 
who he needs God to be for him. And so how does the Lord show up? The man standing over him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And I can't help but wonder if fear filled up his heart. When the great soldier introduced himself to Joshua as the Lord, the captain of the host, Joshua bent down and pulled the leather sandals off his feet. And then, like Moses had before him, he stood barefoot on holy ground. And the story reminds me that Joshua needed something different in his wilderness experience. For Joshua, who would conquer the promised land, the Lord did not show up as a pillar of fire. Instead, he came as the captain of the host with a sword in his hand. He entered the story ready for exactly what Joshua would need, and Joshua took off his shoes. And I love the thought of that because when the Lord shows up in each of our wildernesses, he's going to bring exactly what we need in that place. The Lord appeared as a pillar of fire for Moses and clothed in armor for Joshua. He came for Peter as a lifeguard, for the soldier in Gethsemane as a healer, and for his mother as a maker of wine. He met the woman at her well, the leper in his colony, and the daughter who was dead in her very own bedroom. He entered their stories. He showed up ready for whatever their greatest need might be, to heal the hurt, to set free the captive, to guide through the wilderness, to win the battle, to prevent from loss, to preserve from disaster, to treat carefully, to strengthen from weariness, and to make safe from danger. Grace found in the wilderness. And I love this moment that this is how he showed up in their stories. And in the journal, we just have this one line right under there. How has he come for you um, in your wilderness moments? What has he shown up as? And I, I just love that we start learning this character of God like you were talking about. Um, if, if what you're seeing doesn't reflect what you know, then start bringing what you know of the character of God back into the story and see what you learned there. Yeah, it reminds me of, remember when we learned this year that other name for I am that I am mm -hmm. is that I am what tomorrow demands. Yeah. Whatever it is, I, I'm going to be there for it. That's how, that's how he comes. Now, you get to the next chapter where they're actually going to now like take, you know, take the city of Jericho. And, uh, and it's so interesting. And, and you're going to start seeing this through the whole Old Testament, how every battle is so different. And I think that's actually really cool about the book as a whole, that mm -hmm. it's just like, in this battle, you're going to do three really weird things. In this one, I'm going to have um, just one shepherd boy fight. You know, yes. and this one over here, I'm going to actually have you do nothing because I'm going to fight for you. Yeah. And, you know, like there's yeah. just and this all one, these. You'll just use pictures and lamps and right, trumpets. Right, right. Like just Does different. Does that sound like a good there's idea? There's so <laughs> many different kinds of battles, which I think is a really powerful lesson that the Lord's like, there's not one way to do these things. There's not one way for a life to be lived, one way for a relationship to be strengthened. There's not one way, mm -hmm. you know, for a miracle to come about like your battles are going to be fought very differently than the people next to you and around you. And the way that he's going to have them fight this battle is really interesting. He's going to, you may know this story, he's going to have them circle the city. They're going to take priests with trumpets. They're going to carry the ark. And then the army is going to circle the city of Jericho one time. Then they're going to go back home and they're going to rest. <laughs> then they're going to come the next day and they're going to walk around it one time. Then they're going to go home and rest. They're going to do that for six days. 
Then on the seventh day, they are going to walk around that city seven times, and then they are going to shout and blow their trumpets. That is what is going to happen. And if you know the story, um, then the walls come tumbling down with that shout, right? There's a great, that spiritual is so good. I just yeah. want to sing it right now, but I will not. <laughs> I will withhold. Um, but I, every time I read this um, section, I think to myself, if there's anybody listening that feels like you are just going in circles, that you are working, but nothing is working, that you are trying, but nothing is happening. This is your story. Mm. This is your spot where you're just like, no, the very idea of walking in circles is so frustrating. Nobody wants to be on an airplane when the pilot says like, we, we have to circle for a minute. No one's like, yay, you know, <laughs> but, yeah, but there, in that situation, there's a reason for it. And I think in this one also, and the chapter starts with great advice for somebody who feels like I am working and nothing is mm. working. And chapter six, right at the beginning in verse two, the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given unto thine hand Jericho. Uh, two things there. One, it is so fascinating to me how the Lord speaks in past tense about future events. Yes, me too. It's, it's I, this weird language of faith. Love it. Yes. I love it. Where he's just like, not maybe, not if you, not, I've already done it. It's already finished. Like yeah, it's I've written, already. It's written in yes, the story already. Right. The, my promise my, is a prophecy right? It's a surety. When I promise something, like it's our, it's as if it's already been done. And, and I think maybe that's what he wants him to see when he says, see, because if Joshua were to really see what he would see are formidable walls, you know, mm -hmm. I would, he would see the obstacle. Yep. And instead mm -hmm. the Lord's like, no, I, I want you to see the promise, not the problem. You know, when you circle, sometimes you circle around your problems instead of circling around the promise. Mm, that's so right? good. And that's, I feel like what he is, is teaching them because there are going to be situations where we will see a situation and it does not look like the way the Lord promised it would be, right? It was like, this doesn't look the same, you know? And so he's like, no, I don't want you to see the problem. I want you to see the promise. And, and so they start walking and, and it's unclear how many of the soldiers know the plan. Yes. You like Joshua knows it, yeah. but I don't know. I was thinking that too. Did they see the promise too? Or were they like, this is just what we have to do. I know. So like, could you imagine them going home after work that day? You know, they walked around, they get home and you know, and his wife's like, what happened? did you take, what happened? He's like, well, we, I think, you know, I think Joshua was just kind of scouting the land. You know, I think we were just trying to make a battle plan or something, you know, yes. like, I think it's tomorrow, you know? And so they go the next day and they, and then at the end of that, it's like, he comes home and is like, Hey baby, did you, did you take the city or whatever? Well, no, no, maybe we just, we, yeah, yeah, maybe it's going to be tomorrow. And, and they really walk around it, um, six times. And there's this advice that he gives in verse 10. As they're walking, he says, and I thought of this when you said that earlier. I was like, oh my gosh, it's about to come again. He commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. Yeah, I love this part. Right? Or neither any word proceed out of your mouth until I tell you to shout, then shall you shout. 
And when you're on circle number three, the words that are going to come out of your mouth are not and miracle worthy. They're, they're, yeah, they're not. Yeah. And he just says, like, we we did this in the wilderness. They circled in the wilderness. And it was on day two that they complained. Yeah, and, and we're like, and he's we like, should go back. Right. And he's like, you're focused on the problem. So I want you to save your, do not speak complaint through this. Do not speak doubt through this. Save your voice for praise. Save your voice for shouting. Yeah. And, and that's and there's such, be that silence. such good. Yeah. That the silence, silence before the, the miracle. The yeah. Yeah. And so they do. And, and it says, and it gets to this part and, oh, verse 14 in the second day that they compassed the city once and returned unto the camp. So they did six days. Even the writer of the story got <laughs> bored with it after the second day. He was like, and then they did it for four more. Um, he's so bored of doing it. Imagine if you were the ones doing actually it. walking around it. And this part is so powerful to me because I feel like the Lord is saying at this one, don't stop at six. Mm. There is something about repetition. Right. There's something. And and don't, six is is that incomplete mortal number. And it reminds and you like, of what Michael Wilcox teaches when he teaches Naaman. Yeah. Which dip cured him? Which time around Jericho brought the walls down? Which one? Right. Because you're crazy if you think it was the seventh. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it was every time around the city that brought the walls down. Yeah, right. And and the thing is, is it looked like nothing was happening. So the question is for all of us, can we keep walking when it doesn't feel like it's working? Mm. And if you don't see it working, you're seeing the wrong thing. Yeah. Because God is working in it. Even that, That's why the, stand still so you mm. can see. I want you to see what I'm actually yeah. doing. Don't stop. And, 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 and it made me think as I was watching, you, you read this story and the walls really do come tumbling down. They really do after seven days. And, and I'm not promising that your debt is going to come tumbling down. And I'm not promising that your sickness is going to come tumbling down. But maybe your, your doubt will come tumbling down. Mm-hmm. Maybe the outcome of this story was trust and not the walls at all. Yeah. Maybe it was as they were walking in circles... Someone could have said to him, like, what are you doing? And they could have said, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. But I wish, and it seemed like the Lord's teaching him that like on lap four, if someone were to come up to me on my lap four and say, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. My answer could be trusting. Yes. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm not doing nothing. Yes. I'm trusting that God is, is working in this. And, and, and he does. And the promise is, his promise is sure, you will, you will have the city someday. Like, mm. it's actually going to happen. All these promises. In the meantime, don't stop walking. Yes. Yeah. Don't stop circling. Because one day your shout's going to come. Yes. One day mm-hmm. you are going to shout that praise and that is, and, 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 and it's the miracle moment that happens. And, and then you love the moment in 17 when, as they're preparing, Joshua's like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go seven times around, then you're going to shout, shout, the walls are going to come down and um, everyone is not going to make it except only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house because she had the mes- messengers that we sent. And this is what I'm so 
caught up on right now. All that were with her in the house. Mm. Are you so intrigued by that line? Like, this is my personality. Remember when we talked about last week, all the people who gathered in for Caleb? That's exactly what I just thing? thought. Yeah. yeah. I just want to be like, okay, how many people can I fit in the basement? How many people can I fit in the main floor? How many people could I fit in the couple rooms upstairs? Like all that were in the house. I just love to think how many people did she gather? And it makes me think of my house and just that thought that is the call of my heart always this is refuge this is safety this is love in this place and how many can i bring into the house that's what i want this house to be yeah and come under a roof that's marked with salvation like come and get a new story yeah come get a new reputation in this place yeah you know yep i love um, that and i love let me just make sure that's when it says go into the harlot's house, which I love to when he's like, I see the problem. I see what she's going to need to work on. Like I'm aware of her entire story and this is totally, I can work with this. Like, don't you love that? Yeah. Or he's like, well, if she wasn't a harlot, maybe she could come. Yeah. I love that. He's like, Oh, the, go get the harlot. Bring her. She's the part one, of what we're Yeah, The one that hid doing. the messengers. Yeah, yeah. She's part of this. And are we good at that? Are we good at being like, go get the one who is different, who isn't doing the life the way you're doing life. Go get them, bring yeah, them right, with us. Right. Go to the harlot's house and bring her out and all that she has. Do you love that part? Yeah. Like all, anyone who she has gathered, bring them. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all that she had. That's who I'm, I'm in love with right now, all that she had. Wait, and I just really love that those two spies were the ones who got the jobs yes. still. Yes. You know, where yeah. they were like... Those two little... I would just think yeah. of them as little missionaries. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, we, we want to be the ones to go they bring go, her we'll out. we'll know who she is. We'll know who she is. Yeah. You know? Do you remember I told you the story of my friend who... It's just what it reminded me of. And he... Um, a friend of mine was in a, a plane crash in Alaskan waters. And uh, it, was a, it was a tragedy. And two of the, them lived and had to swim two miles to this island in these Alaskan waters. And no one knew where they were because they'd gone off track and off course and, and everything like that. And, and they just, um, at home, all they got was like, we don't, we don't know what's happening. And everyone was praying and waiting and, and, and everything. And, and then, um, they sent out all the fishermen and all like the, the boats that could to go look for them. And there was a man, this old fisherman, who is riding on his boat. He actually said, I felt on my hand, on my face, a hand that turned my face to look this way. Mm. And he was like, and I saw them on this little island. Mm. And I went, you know, and I took my boat over. And then he said the helicopter was there and the EMTs were there. And like everything was there to get them out. But the fisherman insisted on carrying um, the boys off the island because he said, like, God sent me to save you and I'm going to finish that job. And it just that just yes, made me think same. of them where they're yes, just like, so I, I'm going to finish this and take you out. And we have this little box on here that says God's focus because we want you to see the second the walls come tumbling down, it's not go to the treasury or <laughs> release yes. the stallions. Or move it's in. A, yeah. It's like one, two, three, four different places. Go get Rahab, go get Rahab, go get Rahab. 
God's focus in that city was rescue. Whoever we can cram into the house, and if not, put a thread in the next door neighbors yeah. if we can't fit. And that's and you his love focus. That because you love in 25 when it says, and Joshua saved Rahab. Instead of saying, Joshua destroyed the whole city. Yeah. Look what is the most important that's line. That's the focus. Yeah. yeah. Joshua saved Rahab. And, and, and again, the harlot. That's who he, that's who he went in and saved. <gasps> oh my gosh. You guys. I mean, yeah, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know that Jesus's name is Joshua? Yes. Like Joshua translated over into Greek and then translated over into English and stuff is Jesus. So that line in 25 actually says, and Jesus saved Rahab the harlot alive. Yes. Like that's how somebody yes. in ancient times would and read I it. And I love it so much that I love what we learn here is God loves the harlot and he mm. thinks she's worth saving. Yeah. And also name it, name whatever you want that you think does not fit in this church. You are wrong. You are wrong because Joshua saved the harlot and everyone, all that she had who was in her house. And we have got to be better at that. We have got to be better. We need to be opening our doors and our hearts and bringing people in because God wants to save everyone. And this is my favorite when he says this, um, he saved the, Rahab the harlot alive in her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day. I love that. I love that thought of that bringing in and just let them dwell with us. Just let them dwell with us. We've got to be better at that. Yeah. Um, that was so awesome. Okay. Uh, the rest of the, the rest of the book of Joshua is a, a bunch of different battles and everything. And the, and the reading doesn't focus too much on those, but again, just a lot of great lessons throughout the entire book. Yes. Yeah, so um, good. But you get to the very end of the book of Joshua, which is where we're going to end. And Can we start in 23 first. Yeah. Cause it's so fun. Is yeah. That where you were going to go. Yep. Yep. Into 23. Um, we're about to get to probably Joshua's most famous verse. I don't know. Maybe it's be, be strong and of good courage. That's one of his famous ones. That's on his tombstone. Um, and but, we love or that that's actually one. where it starts. That's where I actually want to start. So oh, verse yeah. six, you love that. Again, this is going to come full circle the same way the Moses end of his life. does, yeah. Joshua does. Because listen what the Lord says to him in chapter 23, verse six, be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside Therefore, from the right hand or to the left. And you love that at the very end, he's still telling Joshua and the people, is this encouraging? That is what is happening. Be courageous in this. Like, be courageous. Send it, right? Yeah. That's how he's going to end this thing is you've got to do that and know for a certainty, he tells them in verse 13, about who your God is. Um, and I love in verse 14 when he says, you know in your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all of the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. Don't you love that thought that like not one thing has failed. He did everything right. he said he was going to do. All are come to pass unto you and not one thing has failed thereof. And I love this idea about testing the promises of like maybe why President Nelson wanted us to gather those promises to covenant Israel is so 
we could realize he will without fail deliver on this. Like he is not going to fail. Right. You, if you're in, then you, this is what you get. He for, is a living for being God, in. right? Yeah. All good things are come upon you, which the Lord, your God promised you. It's so good. And then we get to this part. Do you want to be the holder? Yeah. Or, okay, yeah. You'll be the holder. Um, then we get to this part and this is what we want you um, to do. Those of you who are doing the timeline, if you haven't started the timeline yet and you want to, it's in every newsletter. So go ahead. I was with a group of ladies actually just barely at a little luncheon and in the group, uh, like a third of them were doing the promise this and the other ones were like, I haven't done it. I haven't done it yet. And I told them, Oh, don't worry. When you really want it is when we repeat. So if you haven't started yet, you can start now. But this is what we love about it is watch what Joshua is going to do with the people. So he says, Joshua said unto all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwell on the other side of the flood in old time, even the father of Abraham. And they served other gods. And I took your father, Abraham from the other side of the flood. And I led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed. And I gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau his property, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And then I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt according to all that, which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out and you came to the sea and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And then you dwelled in the wilderness for that long season. Remember? And I brought you to the land of the Amorites and I gave them into your hand and I destroyed them before you. And, um, I would not hearken to Balaam. Therefore I blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. Remember the talking donkey and you went over Jordan and, um, I delivered them into your hands. And then I gave you a land for which you did not labor. Who loves the, I love when Joshua's like, here, <laughs> let me just take you. Remember, he just told us all this. We just did it. It might be super fun. This is one of those times where it might be fun to take everything off of here with, if you're doing it with your kids or the group you study with, or I know we have a ton of seminary teachers who are using this. It would be really fun to take everything off and let Joshua walk you through every picture as he just takes you through each of these things and just see what you remember as Joshua is just laying out. Remember, this is who God is, and he says to them. Yeah, and it's so awesome because this verse that is really, really well known has to be done in this context. Like there is a verse and it comes in verse 15 after he's gone through all of those things, right? And he says, if it seems evil unto you or a bad idea to serve this God, then choose you this day whom you will serve. You can serve the ones on the, of the Amorites or the, on the other side of the flood or all these places, like whatever. But I want you to know, as for me and my house. And this and, is Joshua. You yeah. just love that he's like. We will serve the Lord. As you can do whatever you want. But before you make that decision, can I want you to remember what this Lord and this God can do. And what he has done. And then he even takes it one step further and asks them, all these other people were witnesses of the power and the glory and the goodness of God. And then they say, um, you can, Joshua says to the people in 22, 
you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. When they say, yes, we will serve the Lord. And we just love that idea of adding your story into this. Yeah, and I love in 26 when Joshua, again, you're going to see this happen again. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a great stone and he set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And he said to all the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us. It shall therefore be a witness unto you in case you ever decide to deny your God. And I love the thought of that is what is the witness that you are laying out right now in case you should ever consider denying your God? What is the witness that you would look at and be like, I can't walk away because of this. I used to have my seminary kids write in a journal every time they saw the hand of the Lord in their life. They would do it every single day when we started seminary. And um, when we did devotionals, I would have them pick one and read the one they wanted to pick. And they could go through the whole year. They could pick anything they wanted when it was their devotional day. And one girl got up and told the sweetest story. It just was a sweet story that had happened in her life. And I said to her, what if one day years from now, 10 years from now, someone came up to you and said, I don't think that really happened. What would you say to them? And she said, oh no, I would tell them, I know this happened. Mm. I know it did. And I said, what if 20 years from now, someone told you, you should not believe there is a God. What have you ever seen him do in your life? And then you said this story and they said, I don't think that is true. What would you say? And this is what the girl said. I will never doubt who God is because this story Mm. in my life. Mm. And we need to have stories like that. We need to have those moments that we're like, even if I get to a place where my faith is fragile or I am doubting something that is happening socially or culturally within what is happening, I need to have the stone under the oak tree that reminds me, okay, on this day, I knew who God was and I said I would not walk away and I won't. I won't. And and we need to share our stories too, because Joshua goes through and he shares the collected miracle history of the children of Israel, right? Yeah. And then he gets to his own and then calls on them to Mm. share their own. Because there's something about me even wanting to engage or try because I heard your story. Mm. Like your story could be my catalyst, you know, to step into the river. And then I have my own experience in the river. And then now that's my story that's going to like, you know, propel me forward through it. So our own stories, we need to have them and, and, and write them in stone and put them under the old oak tree. Yeah. There is something about those 12 stones and this red thread and that stone under the oak. There is something in this lesson that just makes you want to find a visual representation of your faith that is somewhere in your home, that is in that place that you can go back to and remember. And like that girl, hopefully it's one that that will remind us to say, I know what he is like because I will not doubt what he is like because of this story. It's the story is ours, but it's really a reflection of his. Yes. So good. So many good ones. I know. 
And so then fun. Next okay, week, the judges. Summer of Heroes, summer of Heroes begins. begins. It's going to be so fun. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.